0: Hello lovelies, well I know I promised you a garden of aroused male sexual energetic anatomy today But Ingo's excellent book distracted me and took me off course (laughs) When searching for the necessary chapter, the book opened up with one of my favourite stories Full of scandal and outrage But it's also operational and enlightening In fact, this story expands upon one of the ideas in an earlier episode, How Were the Ancient Egyptians So Smart? And while it is a story about history, it is more recent history than ancient, but it clearly provides a mechanism by which humans can obtain information in ways that are more than alien to us today. But first, there are a few essential ideas that I think I should cover before we proceed. First of all, we may be in the gutter, but I promise you we will end up in heaven within the next few episodes. So bear with me. All will be revealed very soon. But before I go there, I want to clarify more deeply what I... or more accurately, what Ingo is describing in these incredible chapters. Those of you familiar with Eastern esoteric schools would be familiar with the term the lesser vehicle for the description of the physical body. Paired with that is the idea of a vital energetic master plan or blueprint for the physical body, as Peter Mark Adams might call it. And this is called the greater vehicle. Now, as I said, this is primarily an Eastern concept, and the existence of an energetic master plan remains problematic within our Western materialistic prison paradigm. However, advances in genetics recently have begun to suggest that DNA molecules are resonating to something other than pure matter. Additionally, bioenergetics research has firmly established the existence of energetic fields. But as Ingo points out, the ongoing contention between Western and ancient Eastern thinking is that the West does not like the idea of, of an energetic master plan, nor are they comfortable with clairvoyance, where the East holds that both the greater vehicle and clairvoyance do, in fact, exist. Again, the problem arising for the West is that since clairvoyance belongs to the greater vehicle, and with our science restricted to only examining within the limitations of the lesser vehicle, they are unlikely to discover any master plan, (laughs) blueprint, or sexual regalia for that matter. But that did not stop Ingo. Being a gifted clairvoyant, Ingo could observe the vital energies of the greater vehicle. As I described last week, these energies consist of beams, undulations, rays, tubes, radiations, and globules coming and going and changing in shape and size. Now Ingo was able to see these sexual energies of the greater vehicle interacting with the physical phenomena of the lesser vehicle He explained they were quite complicated, but also consistent among people. At one level, they seemed closely affiliated with the body's basic biology, but they could also extend outward, as much as 20 feet from the body as we saw last week. Ingo went on to describe two categories of these energies. One, there but not all active. And two, aroused, during which the energetic sexualizing anatomy intensifies and changes dramatically. And it is this state that he calls regalia. He explained that these anatomies appeared out of nowhere when one was aroused and would return to nowhere once the energies were discharged. And that part he found fascinating. Okay, so let's get to it then, shall we? As I mentioned last week, to view these energies, Ingo had to employ what he termed microclairvoyance. And this is where I got sidetracked. In episode 4 of Magic Works, I talked about Annie Besant and her use of microclairvoyancy with her partner, Charles Ledbetter, whose name (laughs) will soon take on a whole other connotation. Together, they were able to achieve extrasensory perception of atomic, subatomic particles, and even quarks, years before normal science recognized them. Together, they called this occult chemistry. Now, due to the remarkable confirmations by science of their work, there can be no doubt their micro clairvoyancy was authentic. Still, even Ingo felt that their talents were of an order of some unusual kind of magnitude. As Ingo Swan put it, they probably needed some very controlled enhancement methods and processes to be able to do it. What these methods were has not yet been discovered, but Ingo believes there was one important clue, and since it is a juicy story and speaks to this episode specifically, (laughs) and our greater arc in general, I will include it here. For those familiar with the Theosophical Society, you may be aware that Ledbetter caused it to become embroiled in, of all things, a sex scandal. Wikipedia explains that in 1906, critics were angered to learn that Ledbetter had given advice to boys under his care that encouraged masturbation as a way to relieve obsessive sexual thoughts, and this eventually led to his resignation from the Theosophical Society. Still, Ingo suggests that this is not the whole story and that, in fact, the story is far more interesting than the one which has been reduced to the lowest common denominator. Ledbetter, it seems, was interested in sexual energies, and given his clairvoyance, like Ingo, he could probably see them and their scintillating activities. Ingo suggests that Ledbetter was most likely employing some esoteric tantra exercises which could transmute the sexual energies upwards to invigorate, activate, or empower the more refined sentient energies. In fact, Ingo says there are rich traditions in antiquity regarding the, quote, communal ritualizing of this kind of thing, to trigger, let's just say, the kind of catharsis Mesmer was able to trigger around the tub in Marie Antoinette's palace, as I talked about two episodes ago. 2,500 years ago, the Greeks had a concept of cathexis, Cathexis refers to the idea of investing libidinal energies into a person, object, or idea. It's very much akin to what Brad talks about in Season 2 of Magical Egypt, in terms of transmuting sexual energies into creative ones. But I also like how Ingo describes it. He believes there is a connection between sexual orgasm and so-called psychic force orgasm or meta-orgasm as Chance calls it in series three. And it was this psychic force orgasm, vital force orgasm or meta-orgasm that Ingo suggests Ledbetter was employing to supercharge this clairvoyance. The idea being that the sexual energies would trigger the energetic empowerment of higher faculties or cities and bring the capacity of micro clairvoyance online. So unlike a physical orgasm of the lesser vehicle, we're talking about a meta orgasm of the greater vehicle. Very cool, huh? The only problem for Ledbetter was that he was attempting to do this via, quote, communal participatory (laughs) ritualizing communal participatory ritualizing of sexual energies. Think back to teaching young boys to masturbate. Ledbetter apparently distinguished between the qualities, functions, and powers of the female and male sexual energies, and felt there was logic to the idea that he should develop the uplifting energies of the two sexes separately from each other. So being the charismatic leader he was, and what would Thomas Sheridan call him again? Magical, perhaps? he attracted a court of young males around him with his inner circle consisting of about six students who were advanced in their studies. Hoping to achieve cathexis investiture of the higher energies, they all reposed in a circle and attempted to use synchronized masturbation to trigger higher powers. Or so the story goes. Now, let me stop you at this point and suggest how grateful you should be that I don't add sound effects to my podcast. <laughs> when I asked Chance, he suggested the old cheek grab and pull that all third grade boys are aware of would get the job done nicely. <laughs> oh, my Anyway, there were two important provisos to the work that they did together. First, they all had to time their physical ejaculations, the ejaculations of the lesser body, to the same precise moment. And two, that the electrifying jolts of climaxing ecstatic experience, the orgasm of the greater vehicle, were to be lifted by deliberate attention and will above mere erotic enjoyment to transmute that ecstasy upwards to energize the higher vehicles of all involved. Now, the exacting simultaneous coordination probably required a lot of practice, right? <laughs> And so soon the word got out. But history has it, well, Ingo's history has it, that the Spartans were able to do this very thing, making them a force to be dealt with, as well as elements of ancient Persia, Babylon, Egypt, Macedonia, and India, of course, from which the esoteric tantric formulas emerged in the first place. Now, how is that for his story? I haven't been able to find this myself yet, but it's on the list, my loves. It's on the list (laughs) to research. Anyway, of course, it was the rumors about this work that caused the kerfuffle during those ultra-prudish, sex-freakish Victorian times, and it's this that got him, as Ingo says, in Deep Kimchi. Ledbetter temporarily retired as a result of it and sailed off to Australia, but he was eventually received back into the society as a most honored elder brother. I guess at the end of the day, the historical basis for the activities provided some legitimacy to the methods used, and this historical basis revealed the existence of a power line between sexual energies and higher creative empowering functions, concepts of which infuse the mystery schools. On the one hand, this made Ledbetter a societal threat. But on the other hand, he embodied a super magnetic charisma that allowed things to work out for him in the end. Occult chemistry was a huge hit and Ingo feels confident that Leadbetter's work on human energetic fields will likewise become a hit once Western technologies catch up. How cool is that? Okay, kiddos, well, now we know a little bit more about these energies and their application, we can move on to the male sexual regalia next week. Hello lovelies, I am so excited to announce the release of our new film called Hekka. Hekka looks at the magic of ancient Egypt and how that pertains to the story of ancient Egypt and fills in a whole new perspective that we have been missing collectively for hundreds of years. do not fit within the materialist paradigm are simply rejected as immaterial.